Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the game, Cox 1075. The game. And welcome into the Garnet Trust Hour here on 1075. The game. Tyler Head and Chris Clark along with you. Full house today. We have Jeremy Smith joining us once again from the Garnet Trust as well as Mark. Benoit and uh, Mark, I'll let you uh, take the opportunity to tell the uh, audience a little bit about yourself and who you are. Yeah, thank you, Tyler. Um, so I am Mark Benoit. I am the director of development uh, for Garnet Trust, uh, which is just a fancy way of saying um, I beg people for money so that we can uh, help our student athletes here at South Carolina. Um, and uh, I'm from Florence originally, went to Carolina, Gamecock through and through. So glad to be a part of this great Garnet Trust team. Yeah, thanks for coming in, guys. Uh, we were just talking out there in in the uh, lobby earlier before we came on and tyler they were actually listening to your program okay. out there neat and uh biggest gamecock what ifs yeah i don't i don't know what you and colin both settled on but mark has a theory okay let's hear mark it. has one can can you tell us? i think it is 100 percent sendarius getting the flu in the final four that's somebody actually brought that up on yeah. the firehouse subs text line yesterday that's a good one that is probably one of the tops jeremy do you have one no i'm going with mark on that one absolutely so, I would say that's one, the one Mark said, if you were to, like, create, like, a bracket, you know, like a tournament, that would certainly be one. I think the other, and, and Mark, you brought up the Marquez North uh, catch against, or not, against South Carolina, Tennessee, the Marquez North catch. Wes Mitchell the other day, our colleague who is out at camp right now, he gave a very detailed breakdown to a group of Gamecock fans the other day and had them very upset remembering it. 
but you remember it was like a fourth down deep in your own territory spurrier calls timeout doesn't like doesn't like the look calls timeout goes back out doesn't like the look again calls another timeout punt marquez north catch devastating uh but another good one 2012 at florida Oh, the flu game. Because you remember there, there, was, a, there was another game. flu game. We seem to have <laughs> two a, flu it, games. The, the chicken curse is alive in the flu, right? But <laughs> the yeah, swine because, flu. Because it was what forty-four to eleven. It but, was. You know, we were on a hot streak. I guess we had just gotten beat by LSU yep. the week before um, in a in a nail biter. Yep. And uh, and then you had the the flu game, and everybody was sick. And I remember Connor Shaw got sacked early, for, early for a, and it ended up being a, a scooping score. And uh, that it was downhill from there. Florida had like 150 yards of offense in the game. Classic must champ. Jadav- Jadavion Clowney wrecked shop, but Florida scored 44 points, and they lost by 33. Yeah, the LSU game. So the reason that was so important, though, if South Carolina wins that Florida game, they have one conference loss. It's out of their division. Florida had lost to Georgia. Georgia had lost to South Carolina. So South Carolina would have had the tiebreaker, and they would have been in Atlanta. Um, Florida, I think, was number two at the time they played them on the road, actually. Uh, that same Georgia team who ended up making it to Atlanta and narrowly losing to Alabama. Remember, they ran out of time. Alabama ended up winning the national title. That Georgia team is, of course, the one that South Carolina thoroughly destroyed. 35-7. The Ace Sanders game. So, yeah, th- those are some good ones. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll hit that a little bit more, Tyler, in the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. But for now, let- let's focus on these guys, Jeremy, Mark, Garnet Trust, there's, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to talk about in the NIL world. So let, let's start with one of the most recent events. And either of you guys can take, take this. I, w- I want you both to be able to talk about it. But recently there was a, a memo or, or a letter or whatever you may want to call it that was uncovered that was written, I think, originally in May, and it just came out, and it basically sees the government kind of putting 501c3 collectives on notice. And so for background, a lot of the NIL collectives that have sprouted up around the country organize themselves as 501c3 collectives. A lot of them have not been acting like it. And so uh, the government kind of laid out a case of why some of them may lose their tax exemptions. First of all, give us your take on, on why you think that letter was sent out. Why was it written? Well, I mean, this is a lot of this is hearsay because I don't have... Uh proof, but uh, my understanding is a lot of the collectives that set up as 501c3s um, did it and they're not taking taking the uh, charitable piece uh, very seriously. They're just taking the money in, giving the uh, tax break to the donor, and then they're just putting the money, the, putting the money into players' pockets. Um, some universities uh, a little bit north of here, um, they, put tw- they tweet out support for a charity, but I don't know how much they're working within those charities. Um, we set ours up very carefully and worked with one of the best uh, NIL lawyers out there, Mitt Winter. He was uh, part of the Austin uh, uh, council that uh, had this all started for NIL. So we, we, we worked with him diligently to try to put together the right things to do. So we actually have the um, student athletes go and work inside the charities um, and, and spend some physical time there doing uh, what they need to do to bring more um, uh, visibility to those local charities and then also we are uh donating the money some money to the charities as well so we are not only bringing in the money to give back to the athletes but we're also giving that back to the charity and which is how this was supposed to be set up at the very beginning so for us uh we don't have much uh 
much uh, to worry about in, my, in our case. Our lawyers think we're doing it the right way. We have good documentation on everything that we're doing. So uh, it's business as usual for us. So just to be clear for the listeners, some of these 501c3s, are they basically set up as a 501c3 really for the sole benefit of getting a tax break? Is that kind of... For the donor. For the yes. donor. But then they're really just turning around and doing non-charitable things, or at least kind of on the line. Correct, yeah. And we actually had a, a good call yesterday, Mark and I, with the uh, with our lawyers just discussing this a little bit deeper. And uh, we just asked kind of where this was coming from. And uh, from what they are, are gathering, there are a ton of other collectives that are still pending for their 501c3. And I think the IRS was kind of like, well, what are we going to do here? What, what's, yeah. what is all this? All of a sudden, all these 501c3s popping up. And so that's when they started to take a little bit of a deeper uh, look into it. And uh, uh, they have a couple of clients who have pending um, status approval, and if they they were mentioning yesterday that if one of those uh, one of their clients gets the approval, that that's a really good sign showing that they have set it up correctly and and, and doing everything the right way, which is very important to us as well. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, how this uh, plays out over the next uh, few months. I know a few collectives have completely shut down their um, their intake from their five hundred one c three side, and I can only assume they're doing it because they see that they're possibly doing it incorrectly. Now, did you think this was going to be something that was going to be an issue when NIL started? I think anything. I mean, this <laughs> is just, you, we have to be very careful and be ready to pivot at any time. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the, the reason why we are starting to become very successful here um, is we, we were slow out of the gate, which is okay. Um, and we've seen and learned from other people's mistakes and seen that when you uh, dig your heels into a specific spot within the NIL um, and the rules adjust or, or, or guidance changes, if you can't pivot quick enough, then it could be detrimental to the overall structure of the uh, of the collective. So we've um, we've been able to take our time and, and learn from other folks' mistakes, and uh, we've have really good uh, um, guidance from some very um, educated individuals who uh, who see this from the very inception of it and where ultimately they think it's going to go, um, you know, years from now. And, and just to be clear for the listeners, so the difference with how Garnet Trust Foundation, which again is is the, the charitable arm of Garnet, it's two separate organizations is basically how you can think of it, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. So the way that the Garnet Trust Foundation is set up and the way it's kind of differentiated from some of these other 501s that have, that have cropped up is players are not just tweeting about a charity or having their picture taken and saying, hey, this charity's cool. They're going out physically to events or they're going out into, like I saw the women's soccer players go to the therapy place, right? So that's, right, yeah. that's a good example. They're physically there. And then on top of that, there's going to be, there has been slash will be some direct funding going to charities. Correct. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Mark, when you are going out, so, so to, to again, for listener benefit, Garnet Trust is, is a business kind of set up where you can think of, you know, monthly memberships, yearly memberships, content, things like that, and then the foundation being the charitable side. So, Mark, I know a lot of the work that you put in is for the foundation side, going out and talking to donors, presumably higher dollar amounts. What are the, what are the biggest questions you get or maybe even the biggest objections to all of this? Well, you know, I think that there are some people that are fundamentally opposed to the idea of NIL. Typically, those kind of folks are not going to sit down with us for an hour to, to talk about what, what we're doing. 
Um, but there are a lot of questions about how it works, what what the money's going toward, how we decide, you know, what athletes get paid and what athletes aren't are, aren't getting compensated, um, and kind of making those decisions. And it's it's an educational experience. The hard part for us is that we are having to educate and ask for donations all in the same time frame. And we really needed, you know, we really need the money today. And so, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, a long drawn out process that is, is new for people, right? Cause a lot, I think a lot of times we think of building a relationship with the donor, going to talk to them, educate them, get to know them. And then, and then finally saying, Hey, well, what can you do to help? Right. And the, the reality is I think a lot of people think whenever I, we do events or we go meet with people that there is a, that there is a, you know, that they're not, capable of helping well listen there's a spot if you can give ten dollars there's a spot if you give me ten thousand dollars and i think that's what i want to emphasize to the listeners out there is that there is a spot for you if you want to help with garnet trust can you elaborate a little bit more about what that education process process looks like yeah i mean you know it's 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 sitting down and and talking to someone about you know essentially where we are right now and and what what the process goes with they give their money how does it go to you know where does it go how do they get a tax benefit for it um, what we're doing to work with the coaches and that aspect, what charities we're working with. Um, th- those are all different aspects of that a donor really cares about. Do you think it helps in the fundraising process? So, so imagine that you're uh, some other unnamed schools collective uh, or 501c3 organization representative, and you're going to them and you're saying, I'm going to get you, you know, you'll be able to have a tax break on your to use your number, $10,000, and X percent is going to the athlete versus the way Garnet Trust Foundation is set up of, hey, presumably if you're a high net worth person, you're probably already doing some charitable stuff, right? So being able to tell them tax benefit, student athlete, you know, it's going to, there's going to be some type of ancillary benefit to the student athlete. That's something the IRS talked about but also directly funding a charity and illuminating the charity. Do you think that model helps? Yeah, I think it does. So, so our model currently is that 70% of the money that is, is donated to the foundation goes to student-athletes. 20% of the money donated will go directly to a charity, um, and then 10% helps cover our overhead and expenses. And, and y'all feel good, again, to kind of go back to what you were saying earlier, Jeremy, y'all feel good about that model just from a – compliance standpoint i I know it's it's kind of always a moving target right no yeah i mean for based on uh, and everything we had and uh, have have seen and and everyone we've talked to i I think we are in a really good spot all right we'll have more on the garnet trust hour coming up next with jeremy smith and mark benoit here on 107.5 the game it's the garnet trust hour on your home of the game cox 107.5 the game let's touch my phoenix with it and welcome back into the Garnet Trust Tower here on 1075 The Game. Tyler, Chris, Jeremy, and Mark along with you this morning. Real quick, want to let everybody know it's a busy um, day tomorrow on 1075 The Game. The early game going to be out at the Dam Boat Run at Lake Murray, benefiting the Big Red Barn Retreat, South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, and the Richland County Sheriff's Department. We'll be broadcasting live from 6 until 9 a.m. So go out there and say hi to Bill, Preston, and Jen. Halftime show is also going to be out on location tomorrow from 12 until 3 at Dynamic Marine in Lexington. That's uh, 5028 Sunset Boulevard by Hudson's out there in Lexington. Going to be giving away some tickets to Carowinds as well as football tickets for this upcoming season. So be sure to go by and say hey to Jay and Terry as well. Getting back to our conversation about NIL, and Mark, you mentioned this a few moments ago. There's a lot of people that are 
just opposed to it outright. They, they don't know all the ins and outs of it and just dislike it on principle. Through these education processes and meeting with different people, have you been able to sway a lot of people's opinions the other way about NIL? Um, some. I will tell you, I'm a big storyteller. Um, and so I always go back to this this point that I was not huge, you know, in O'Bannon and they're getting rid of the NCAA EA sports game and, you know, this whole thing. I was I was kind of against this stuff. You know, I'm a traditionalist and I, I was like, you know, well, we need to really, we, we you know, I, I don't know if NIL is quite the way we need to go. Um, but I, I, and the more I thought about it, especially going through college, I, you know, I kind of put myself in, the, in those same shoes. And I said, okay, if I'm, I'm at Carolina and I'm on a full academic ride and I get free housing and I get free meals and, you know, I, I get free books and tuition and everything and everything's covered just like it is for a student athlete. I am still allowed to walk up to the state house and get a job. I'm still allowed to walk down the street at Cantina and serve tables if I want to, right? These student athletes are, don't have, one, they don't have the time. Two, the NCAA doesn't allow them to have the ability to do that. And so, um, you know, the, I think that all these athletes should get paid a fair market value for their time and their name, image, and likeness. And, you know, I think that if I go stand out in front of a restaurant and wave a sign around or say I'm signing autographs, then I think people are probably going to run the other way. But if if we got a great, you know, student athlete at Carolina who is who is standing out front of a restaurant and saying, hey, come come by here and, and buy a cheeseburger and I'll sign an autograph, then people are going to come and, and they're going to come for that, that student athlete. And I think that's a really important thing that we need to realize. No, it's a great point. And I think it also gets lost a little bit, right? So a lot of the NIL activities, and frankly, a lot of the NIL dollars just across the country, not just here, are going to be dedicated to football, right? Because it's just such a revenue driver. There's the most interest relative to every other sport in football, but you have other sports too. And so football is a headcount sport, meaning you get 85 scholarships. Everybody that's on scholarships gets a full ride. You're going to get housing. You're going to get as many meals and snacks as you want. There's so many resources. I get it. Even for those guys, your point still stands. But now let's think about – so let's go to baseball, right? Just watching Florida make the College World Series finals. South Carolina finished up a super regional this year. Baseball somewhat ridiculously gets 11.7 scholarships for a 35-man roster and – Y'all probably know this. What, what is tuition now at South Carolina? Forty grand? I, I don't know if it's forty. I mean, I guess it all depends on in-state and stuff like that too. Yeah. But I, I think a total cost is probably around thirty thousand dollars. So it's expensive. You know, it's not cheap. It, it's not cheap. Um, and so you think about an athlete. If you're a baseball player, a high-level baseball player in the SEC at South Carolina, you're kind of lucky, fortunate to get. A, a substantial piece of the scholarship, right? I mean, you, right. you're very fortunate. Yep. So now you're coming out of pocket for a lot of the other stuff. But yet, to your point, Mark, before NIL, you can go do something and you're going to be extremely scrutinized for are you doing the actual work, et cetera. You couldn't benefit off of it. You know, whereas I, Chris Clark, a nobody, if I wanted to write a book and Jeremy would probably be the only person that bought my book, but it, better have a lot of pictures. <laughs> then, if if you bought my book off my name, image, likeness, you could do that. If I was just a regular college student, so it's kind of, if you think about it, like from a free market standpoint, it almost it doesn't seem legal, frankly. So, um, it, it, is that is the piece about the scholarships and cost of living aside from just 
Because you see that a lot. You see that as a common objection. They already get scholarships. Well, some people do, but not all of them. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, and you bring up a good point with, with baseball. I mean, you know, Ray Tanner told us early on in the process when we were kind of getting Garnet Trust really going earlier this year uh, that um, he never gave a full scholarship to a single baseball player. So no, no baseball. I mean, and think about all the great guys that he, he <laughs> coached from 97 to yeah. 2013. There's a lot of, lot of very them. talented people who were probably deserving of full scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, but he never gave a full scholarship to a student athlete in South Carolina. I mean, I, I think back about those teams. I mean, think about how much NIL money Scott Wingo could have made back in the day, right? I mean, and, and you know, would have paid for the rest of his college and even more. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I do think the scholarship component adds to it. But, I, but you, like you said, not everyone gets a full scholarship. I think people think of things as football, um, but, but it's not – they don't get a full scholarship component. Yeah, I've even been um, – I've even learned more – like I knew about the 11.7 rule, obviously knew about walk-ons, but – I didn't even realize in some of the other sports, you're basically, you know, you can kind of sign up front, so to speak, for a, an amount that you're going to get, or you can kind of redo it yearly. I mean, it, it's not the same as just here's your full scholarship for football. Um, how how many athletes have you guys worked with so far? That was a great, great question because I was just figuring this out. Uh, this year we worked with um, about 130 uh, individual athletes. Um, just we, this calendar year. Just this calendar year. Yeah, I think last year um, we did about that amount for the whole year. Um, so we're trying to do, we're trying to do a lot more. Up until just recently, we had worked majority majority of the time with uh, female athletes. Um, but uh, now that uh, uh, the seasons are over and stuff like that, we're obviously picking up a lot of the, the slack that we did with you know football and stuff like that. So. We're starting to see a little bit of a shift there, but we we right now it's probably about sixty forty uh, men to women sports. That, if I had to guess, and it's only a guess, that seems higher than a lot of other places in I, terms of the split. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't. You know, I don't know personally, but I would assume it's it's a it's 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 much different. We we pride ourselves on supporting all the student athletes, not just one team. Um, and you know, going back to this whole scholarship piece i mean a lot of these students are, are utilizing the money that they earn from nil to offset those costs and so you know that's that's huge this is we're basically helping funding scholarships in some ways so when you look at so you said 130 athletes just this year i think south carolina has about what 500 something yeah it's around 550 550 mm-hmm. yeah in terms of athletes do you envision a world at some point where every single student athlete is going to be able to do something on the nil front that'd be awesome um it's uh we got a ways to go to get there need members um, and you need donors right we do <laughs> we need, we need members we need donors and uh but yeah we that would be awesome that would be the best thing in the world if we could take care of every student athlete in some capacity um but uh we'll see uh the rules will continue to adjust and, and we'll have to pivot to do something new but um we uh we would love to do that when you're looking at athletes to work with what specifics about their marketability do you kind of focus on i mean i mean the easiest part is to look at their social following right now social media is such a big a big part of all of this and if they have a really strong social following then whatever business that they team up with uh, a component of that can be getting the word out via those channels um so that that's that's key and we we talk to a lot of the student athletes about really helping them build their brand and helping them build uh, the amount of, of folks that follow them um, so that they can be more marketable to businesses, whether in Columbia, in the state of South Carolina, or even nationally. 
Um, and the women's basketball team has is, is, is got a great following on social for all our athletes, um, and so that helped them out tremendously. All right, we'll have more on the Garnet Trust Hour with Jeremy Smith and Mark Benoit coming up next here on 107.5 The Game. What you're talking about. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. 107.5 The Game. Welcome back into the Garnet Trust Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Our head and Chris Clark along with you today's guests, Jeremy Smith and Mark Benoit from Garnet Trust. And Mark, I see that you have a political background uh, yourself and a lot of conversation about NIL right now revolves around the NCAA's push towards Congress to try and create some regulations to wrangle NIL in a little bit. What are your thoughts on what's being proposed right now? Uh, well, the question is what's really been proposed. You know, I mean, I think that there are a couple of different uh, folks, specifically Coach Tuberville, um, you know, his senator, state senator, U.S. senator from Alabama, obviously has a little bit of experience in college football, um, specifically SEC football. So I, I, I would be, you know, if, if someone's leading the charge in Congress for uh, some kind of NIL reform or, or, you know, taking it to another level, I think Tuberville's, Coach Tuberville is probably, probably the guy that we would even want to do that a little bit just because he is, um, has that SEC um, coaching experience, uh, but we all know that things don't move super fast in D.C., um, and so I, I don't know where uh, that conversation goes. Um, I, I'm appreciative of Commissioner Sankey and Coach Tanner and Coach Staley and Coach Beamer all went up to, to uh, D.C. last week with a couple of different other um, coaches and conferences to try to make some impact there, um, but it'll be interesting to see where it sees, goes. I, I think the biggest thing that Jeremy and I talk about all the time is the transparency aspect. Um, and I think that the fact that a uh, school does not have to tell us what they are paying or offering or um, compensating an, another uh, kid or student athlete, um, then, you know, it just you're 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 making offers into thin air a lot of times. Yeah. So that so that's the question, like. I think there's at least somewhat of a consensus that more transparency would be good because I, I think you see it in the agent realm too, right? So there, there's some bad actors in the agent space. When NIL came along, there was this very real notion, this very real push, and I get narrative would be the best word. Oh, you're giving kids money. They're going to be irresponsible. Well, no kidding. I mean, yeah, in some cases, so are adults. But from what some of us have talked about in this room, guys, some of the stories we followed, like some of the agents have been the worst actors, misrepresenting offers, not presenting offers to their athletes, lying to their own clients about right. offers, misrepresenting um, offers to, you know, people in the media or collective. So I guess the that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, yeah, the transparency aspect is a problem on all different levels, school, collective, kid, agents. So how can you do that like in a responsible way that's still going to give some privacy you know to athletes yeah i mean i i totally agree but you know the reality is is that you know in the nfl you know what kansas yeah. city salary cap is right that's true. you knew you know what patrick mahomes latest deal is mm -hmm. um now you know i i get that that's we're not the nfl sure. um but we can't you can't have agents that go around and say oh my 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 client is getting offered or getting, you know, or getting paid X number of dollars at the school. And it's just a made up number and he yeah. can get away with it because, you know, it is, it is not public information. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, and you also got to realize they get paid 20%, right? So, I mean, they, they want that number to be as high as possible. Yeah. There was um, an instance that I heard of in the NIL realm where there was an agent who basically, um, you know, typically how you would see this happen is there's a, a marketing deal done, an NIL deal done when an, when an athlete gets to a campus. And let's, let's say it's $1,000, right? Let's just use a round figure. And then the agent is going to get 20% of that, you know, in some form or fashion. And this particular agent had created like this digital product that NIL funds earmarked for that athlete's deal were then supposed to run to, through so that they could get a even bigger percentage than 20%. And so you see stuff like that, and it's kind of it's kind of uh, sad sometimes. And, and so I mentioned earlier the part about one of the objections, especially an early objection to NIL being, okay, well, you're, the athletes are going to get all this money, and, and usually it's not – for most athletes – it's not huge sums, right? I mean, realistically, no. it's not what's being portrayed in the media that a few guys get. But one of the objections was, okay, you're going to give them this money. What are they going to do financially? Do they know about taxes, et cetera, et cetera? So what do you guys say to that when you're talking to members, donors, or even people who just are asking the question who may be interested in becoming one of those one day? Right. No, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to put together – um, the best curriculum, if you will, uh, to help educate these student athletes. Uh, we have financial advisors we work with. We have CPAs we work with. Um, we, for the first year, will take on the financial responsibility to make sure that they um, are, are getting that education and getting that help with their taxes, and then it's on their own after that. Um, so we pride ourselves on being able to have that for them. We also are you know, doing media training, doing etiquette training to make sure that they uh, feel comfortable when they go to Hall's Chop House and they eat with the donor. I mean, th- we want to make sure that these these athletes are prepared, uh, w- and we're working on putting together a brand um, a brand package that helps them build their brand and, and so forth. But you know, and I know I say this every time I come in here, it's not about the four years they're here at USC; it's about the forty years after. And that's really where our our mindset is: is trying to figure out well, what can we with what they get today? How can that help them tomorrow? Um, and, you know, surprisingly, there are a ton of athletes that want that help and are excited to invest and learn what they can do uh, and how that money can work for them long term. And what kind of feedback have you all gotten from the athletes about this education process? Um, so far, it's, it's, it's been pretty good. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty much uh, voluntary at this point. We're considering uh, putting uh, a curriculum on uh, the portal for the athletes that uh, forces them to go through some classes before they can get paid. Um, so we're trying to figure out the best way to, to, to put that together because I think it is important. We want them to understand that there is a lot of great opportunity for them after they leave school if they were to save that money, and, and a lot of them are, uh, but some of them obviously are giving it right back to the, to the school for tuition, and um, some are helping, a lot of them are helping their families out with uh, bills that they're having trouble paying. Tell us, if you can, a little bit about some of, on the foundation side, on the charitable side, some recent examples of some of the work uh, that student athletes have have been doing well. Um, a lot, so we we have worked with a lot of uh, businesses here in Columbia. Uh, the, the athletes have been working with them and doing some marketing campaigns. Uh, Kai Kroger just did one um, with uh, uh, Carolina uh, Power Equipment and uh, the Kai Boda. The Kai Boda. That was a great commercial. Um, he so he worked with them. Uh, we're having uh, an event um, coming up uh, for the Prisma Camp Chemo for Prisma Children's Hospital. Um, that a lot of the basketball players and some of the football players are going to go to next Friday. Um, and so 
done stuff with that. Um, it's been a little quiet this summer because a lot of the athletes have been gone. Um, but we'll pick a lot of that back, stuff back up now that football's back on campus and women's soccer's back on campus and so forth. Um, coaches. So I know that the coaches cannot there, – there's limitations, right, on what they can do, what they can say about NIL. Obviously, they're not getting in the realm of, of talking to, to kids, and, and I don't mean just at South Carolina. This is just generally, you know, NCAA rules. They're not getting into the realm of doing deals with players and things like that. But um, what can you do with coaches? I think that's a question that maybe some of the listeners have. Um, I know that Garnet Trust, Garnet Trust Foundation, you know, we've seen um, some videos come out from some of the coaches talking about NIL, talking about Garnet Trust. So what's kind of the integrations that you guys can do there? Yeah, I mean, we, we're excited to work with all of our coaches. And, and the best part is all the coaches have been super excited to work with mm-hmm. us. And, I mean, we, we, we pride ourselves on that partnership and maintaining a great relationship with all of our coaches here at South Carolina. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing that they cannot do uh, is that they cannot ask a donor uh, for specific funds for a specific player. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are allowed to come to events. They are allowed to promote us on social media. They're allowed to retweet us, tweet us out. Um, you know, so if Coach Beamer's listening and wants to – tweet out the link to garnetrust.com then please do it but um but yes so we are uh we we are working great with the coaches and they're allowed to promote us in, in a lot of aspects go to events um and talk about us in, in public and encourage people to donate to garnet trust and with talking about education not just for the athletes but when you are meeting with these coaches how much are you guys having to teach them about the inner workings of nil so they have a full grasp on it a ton uh, I mean, it's 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 cr- it just it's a ton. I mean, this is where education is such a huge part of what we're doing. They, I had a talk with a coach yesterday, and just he wanted uh, to understand, you know, what uh, he was allowed to do, what he wasn't allowed to do, um, and how to handle a situation. And so, yeah, I mean, we were yesterday discussing that specifically, and I, you know, I think it's it's uh, and as this landscape constantly changes, we have to go back and update those those conversations. So. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a lot of education for the coaches. All right, we'll come back on the other side and wrap up the hour for today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour here on 107.5 The Game. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Welcome back into the Garnet Trust Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler and Chris along with you. A few more minutes to go with Jeremy Smith and Mark Benoit from the Garnet Trust and you know, Mark brought up the EA Sports video game a little bit earlier, something that went away a decade ago that is supposed to come back next uh, summer with the release of a, a brand-new game. And this is a story that we've been following pretty closely on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. And the most recent updates from this story is this Brander group that's now launched a lawsuit against EA Sports. And, and this all kind of boils down to these groups. And there's several of them that believe that the – supposed $500 flat fee across the board for student-athletes is not fair compensation. How close have you guys been following this story, and what are your thoughts on what's been going down so far? Well, I haven't followed it uh, a ton, but the last time I was here, that question was brought up, and I said, I think everyone's going to take the $500, and obviously we're seeing that that's, uh, that might not happen. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really have no idea where this is going to go. I mean, I, I would just love to be on a video game. You know, I'm sorry, 500 bucks in a video, being on a video game to me is awesome. Um, but again, you know, when it comes down to dealing with agents and, and things like that, they have different uh, perspectives than, than I might have. And so that can definitely muddy up everything that uh, is going on. I think 
10 years ago, I would have paid $500 to be on the EA Sports yes. college football game. <laughs> exactly. It's easy for us who people who are not even athletes to be like, yes, I would be on video game. They had like a sports writer video game. You sit around and write all day. <laughs> I would I would be on that. But we've asked a couple guys about it, and they they kind of like current USC athletes, and they took the stance of like, I'd be on the game. Like that lasts forever. Like you're right. kind of etched yep. into memory. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, NBA draft coming up tonight. Tonight. Looks like Gigi Jackson will hear his name called somewhere. You guys got any predictions, team, slot, anything at all about Gigi? Attire he'll be wearing. I love watching the uh, – I love watching the the different suits and stuff that the players wear. I have a little insight, and I'll give a plug for uh, one of our uh, great board members. Uh, BP Skinner is yeah. going to be clothing Gigi Jackson tonight. Um, I went by there the other day, and uh, he, they were excited to be doing his uh, draft outfit. Tonight. It's going to be so, awesome. Oh, Can't nice. wait to see it. But any Jeremy, you got uh, a I, no, big I'm, NBA guy? No, I, I know you're not. Actually, I am. <laughs> actually, yeah, I'm a huge that's... Orlando Magic fan. That's so, right. Yeah, no, I, yeah. absolutely. Um, but no, I am not going to make a prediction because my predictions usually are way off, <laughs> hence the EA Sports uh, piece. So I'm going to um, refrain from that. Okay, Mark, no, no pick from you. Uh, I'm going to go first round. I yeah. think I think I think GG is a first round talent. Um, you know, I I noticed I read a report the other day that he had canceled some of his workouts later or earlier this week, and the thought was that he potentially had kind of a promise from one of these teams that if he's available yes. at, I think it was 22 or 23, I think somebody was interested in taking him. That makes sense. I was going to say back half of the first round makes sense. Um, so looking forward but to seeing Awesome. What yeah. is this, the first first round? This would be the first first round Gamecock since Ronaldo Balkman. Is that right? <sighs> Ronaldo Balkman. Yes, that is correct. Was that 04? Uh, 04 or 05. It was actually on my birthday that year, I remember. Um, so I'm, I'm at this party at... Uh, celebrating my birthday and we got the draft on in the background right you know just kind of in the background all of a sudden i hear david stern come up with the whatever it was like what pick 20 something whatever ronaldo baltman i'm going what ronaldo baltman he got picked in the first round yeah you know ronaldo baltman new york knicks new york knicks isaiah thomas picked him i think he was the gm then that was a that was quite interesting ronaldo happy birthday to you uh it was it was it was the twenty eighth that year. But yeah, I, happy birthday! Oh, happy I'm birthday! I'm just saying yeah. that was your happy birthday that year. Yeah, I mean, I gave Ronaldo Baltman a ride one time when I was on campus for your students at the same time. So that's my Ronaldo Baltman. Two Ronaldo Baltman stories. Claim to fame. And what is claim to fame? Mark, you also gave us. So to go back to how we started the show, you also gave us uh, during one of the breaks another great what if that you had been told from somebody about Gamecock sports yeah it's 2014 South Carolina is at the swamp it's yeah. funny how a couple of these have, have happened with with the Gators but yes um we're in the swamp and Steve Spurrier's magical special teams blocks a field goal and a punt in the last what two minutes of the game yes to beat or force overtime mm-hmm. and then beat uh the Florida Gators uh which led to Will Muschamp being let go the following Monday um and so Funny how things turn out, um, but I think one uh, donor that I met with thought that maybe if we had not blocked a field goal and a punt, then uh, it might be different for South Carolina football. It might have been. So I wrote up a theory in the last hour uh-huh. that goes back to 2012, that if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, goes on and wins the national championship against Notre Dame, Mark Rick doesn't get fired at the end of 2015. So South Carolina coaching job still comes open yep. after Spurrier leaves. Realistic chance Kirby Smart could be here as the head coach. Yeah, that that's always been one of the fascinating ones. When I was listening to you guys on the way here, um, I want to unpack this a little bit more in the takeover hour. But I, I still, 
I, I know uh, actually a lot of the substance of the conversations that were happening between Kirby Smart and South Carolina at that time. I still have a little bit of a hesitation at the end of the day, would Kirby have definitely 100% taken that job? Some people say yes. I tend to think probably so, but he was pretty picky, right? I mean, he, he could have waited and gotten something else. I mean, Tennessee's opened 12 times since sure. that, you know, so or, or he could have kept Georgia in the back of his mind. I mean, it's a fascinating question. All right, so with the last couple minutes, you guys do what you do, but you pay attention in the recruiting realm too. You're not talking to prospects and things like that. You, you talk – you. Player deals that you do with players are not until they get here. We we know that. But what have you heard about how many prospects during the recruiting process are asking about NIL? I know that uh, Coach Beamer said that they had, I think, 12 official visitors the weekend before, mm -hmm. and I think that there were eight, eight conversations. Eight of the 12 were conversations on the last day were specifically about NIL or that there was a conversation about NIL from eight yeah. of the 12 prospective student-athletes. So basically, I think one way you can look at it is, and I, and I know Mike Loxley from Maryland actually had some public comments about this. You know, they just opened this brand-new facility, or they're about to open this brand-new facility, and everybody's just kind of like golf clap for it because it's like, I mean, this is nice, but, like, it's not the name of the game anymore. Well, you know, and I'm a really big believer, I always say this, is that, we can't expect success out of our coaches unless we provide them the resources to be successful. And we have done a great job on facilities at South Carolina. Yes. Uh, the, the new resource is NIL, and we've got to make sure as a fan base, um, we have, we've shelled out some cash for, for great ops buildings and, and weight rooms and, and a practice, indoor practice facility and everything else. Um, it's now time to do our part with NIL. And how can fans yeah, are listening so do that? Yeah, so you can go to, if you're interested in a tax-deductible donation, um, you know, if you're $1,000 or more, then go to GarnetTrustFoundation.org um, and, and make that contribution today. If you want to join on a monthly membership basis, go to GarnetTrust.com um, and sign up today. All right, that's all the time we have for today on this edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. Jeremy and Mark, thank you so much for taking a little bit of your time and uh, joining us today and uh, excited to see who we have lined up for next week as well. Uh, coming up next at the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, right here on 107.5 The Game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if you're first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.